We are back for another episode of the Wisdom for Wealth podcast with your host, Lelo Mashatile. I hope you guys are having a fabulous week and that you're winding down to take a well-deserved December break. This year for me has been quite interesting, but it's been a great year of growth and stretching, especially in my career. Talking about careers and jobs, we spend a large majority of our lives working, whether in our jobs, our businesses, or in some form or shape, we're always working. The working time of our lives is also the time we maximize our ability to make money. A large part of our lives is about securing the bag. You heard me right. It's about securing the bag. I think it's important for me to also say that for me personally, I want to always have the sweet balance between earning well and doing what I enjoy. And I know that I don't want to wake up every morning and be miserable. So I know that this is not always the case with everybody, but we can all agree that our jobs and our careers play a big part in our finances and our ability to build wealth. So then it's a no-brainer that we need to learn how to maximize our work, our jobs, and our careers to grow our finances. And so today, to have this amazing conversation with me, I have two highly knowledgeable people who are going to just blow your minds, firstly, with what they know. No pressure, guys. <laughs> Our first guest is Pimpera Piri. She is a human capital consultant and a qualified psychometrist who is passionate about learning and ensuring that she passes on what she knows to the next person. She believes that everyone should aspire to learn something new each day. Pimpi also loves God, her family, and friends. She's also known to be an introvert, but around the right people and a great topic, the extrovert will emerge. Our second guest for today is Tulisile Mdolomba, also a human capital consultant and a qualified psychometrist. She is the founder of the Career Woman blog, in which she provides women with career insights. Tuli also provides career coaching services to individuals who are first-time job seekers. But ladies and gentlemen, do not miss this about Tuli. She is a fashionista of note. A quick disclaimer. The opinions shared by our guests today do not represent the organizations that they come from, but they are merely their own opinions. So please treat them as such. Ladies, welcome to the show. Thanks, Lilo. Thank you, Lelo, for having us. How are you guys doing? Honest answer? <laughs> Go for it. It's been a, an interesting and exhausting week all combined. But other than that, good. I'm all good on my side. Just experiencing a bit of year-end fatigue. I think it's starting to get to me, but I'm taking it very slowly. But yeah, we're here. It's not like we have any choice either way. Girl, listen, I, I really can understand that, guys. Like, I think the fatigue is settling in on me as well. So I'm really excited for the December break. Um, I'm going to take a nice long break. And I'm really excited about that. But thank you so much for being willing to come and have this conversation with me. I think, you know, I often get queries and questions from people about certain things that they want me to speak about. And one of the things people want to speak about is how do they maximize their careers to be able to build wealth? So I'm just so grateful that you guys would bring your expertise and your knowledge to, to come and have this conversation with me. So maybe I'll just start off because as I was preparing for this conversation, I just, I don't know, for me personally, there's a difference between a job and a career. And I don't know if that's correct, <laughs> but I'm just going to throw it out there. Do you guys think there's a difference between a job and a career? And if so, what is it? So um, I definitely do agree as well. There is a difference between a job and a career. Um, we always like saying this this notion of a jobby job. You know, a job is a job. Um, and that's how it is. Anybody can, not anybody, but I can quit today and say I want to be a petrol attendant. I can quit today and do something totally different. While as the career, in my personal opinion, is something that you build on. You know, it's something that you continue to expand on from skills. So, for example, 
um, myself, I'm an HR consultant, but I had to build the foundations to become one. You know, it comes from education, it comes from networking, it comes from the experience that I have, but you're constantly building. And I see a career as that, something that you're constantly building on, um, that eventually and hopefully it's something that you also brings some form of income. Wow. <laughs> that is heated. <laughs> you came loaded. Tuli, do you want to add anything? Yeah, just to add on, career, it's, you know, a job, it's, it's for the short term. And career is, it's your long term. It's, it's something you, that you, it's, it's like your lifestyle. You live it. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's, that's such an, int- like, I, I love what you said. I think Pimpy, you, yeah. you speak about how it's a combination of many different things, whether it be skills, whether it be um, networking and, and just how you just build on it step by step. And it just puts me in a place where I'm almost thinking that sometimes maybe that's the difference between, you know, when you get a job and they say, okay, cool, this is how much we're going to pay you for this job. And sometimes what sets people apart in terms of what they make from a financial perspective is, is also how they manage their career as a whole. So what skills do you go on to build you know, um, would you say that you agree with that? So for this one, I said, you know, there's a different ways you can go about it. Um, one would be, you know, the formal route whereby you consult a professional, you know, um, that is, you know, you also uh, go through uh, the formal route, which is starting for the course based on what your career assessment says, and then look for a job of what you've studied. And um, this, this formula works for some people and for some people, it just doesn't work. Um, and then the second alternative would be, you know, to volunteer, uh, especially if you're already working, volunteer to participate in projects that excites you the most at work. Um, this can be through job shadowing. And for those who, with no experience, um, I always say that, you know, they must ask themselves what interests them the most, the passions and the favorite subjects that they've, they've done at school. And also tap into their strengths because I think it's important um, to as much as you do, you feel like you do not have much um, work experience, or you feel like you do not qualify for the roles that you are applying for. I think it's important to look within and look at your strengths. And I also always emphasize that you know, looking for a job, um, the salary should not be the main determiner. So you need to tap into your interest, your passion, and who you are ultimately, who you are as a person. Mm, mm, I, I like that. I like that how you mentioned how. Money is not the only driver in terms of your career development. Mm-hmm. Um, Pimpy, is there anything you want to add? No, I just want to emphasize on what Tuli said regarding job shadowing. I think it's something that over the years, it has been something that in, in, uh, I think has been silent in a, way of, in, in, in a way that a person can develop themselves. We take it for granted because, for example, I go into the office and I know what my duties are. Um, but there's this bit of an interest that I have in maybe the technical aspect of it from the IT. Let me put it for an example in IT. Um, and I go on and say, let me just take a short course. From that short course, in theory, I only have that. But when you include that with job shadowing, that brings it to a different level altogether. But it all goes back to you as an individual. What have you identified as to, let's say, what are your weaknesses? What are your strengths? But also, what are your interests? So in your work capacity, I'm this, or my job is this, but I do have an interest in that. Who can I job shadow? Who can I talk to and just say, teach me the ropes. It's not, I, I'm not going to get any form of money, but it'll definitely upskill me. It'll definitely develop on a possible even career that I might even go into. So we really take it for granted in terms of having that opportunity to partner with somebody and shadow them to grow. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you you guys are also driving home the point of taking initiative, the importance of saying, I'm, I'm not going to limit my career and my growth to my job description, but I'm mm. going to take initiative and step out of the boat and say, what else do I enjoy and reach out to other people that potentially have what I want or can teach me what I want to learn. What I also like about that is that it's relatively inexpensive to do that. Because you can go ahead and be like, let me go study something that I, that I think I like. And then you get into the job every day and you're like, oh, but I don't like this. But if you just take the time to shadow, 
and you see, oh, is this, because sometimes having an interest in something and actually doing it on a day-to-day are two different things. So sometimes it'll be important for people to actually just do the job shadow. I, I, I really, really like that. You know, I have another question for you guys. And I think along the lines of people, you know, taking initiative and looking within organizations to say, can I job shadow? If a person can't find that and they perhaps want to start a passion project or a side hustle on the side, are there any legalities in terms of, you know, a human capital space that a working employee should look out for? You know, like, can can people just go start side hustles without getting their employer permissions? Or is there something people need to look out for? I think it's always important to find out from the organization that you are in, the policies around any form of conflict of interest, um, which are usually and widely available on the organization's platforms or on intranet, for example. Um, it's always important to understand what are those no-go areas? What are the conflicts of interest that will arise? Yes, you do get um, companies. I think what what some companies don't want people to go for side hustles is a threat on terms of the work productivity, for example. So if now Lelo is doing this podcast, is it going to be doing my work time? You know, is it going to in any way um, talk about uh, intellectual property? Is it in any way going to open up maybe a whole new um, stream of market uh, that we are currently doing? So those are the things that most companies look around. Will this this side hustle um, affect the productivity of Lelo? Will the side hustle um, in any way bring take our intellectual property in and so forth? So it's always important that you go through the policies regarding that, understanding, and if you don't ask the questions, you know, and have those open and honest conversations with your manager and let them know that hey. I love what I do at work, but I also have a passion for photography. And in, in no way will I be doing this in my work time. You know, the most I think most companies actually just look at how is this going to affect my productivity or how is this going to affect my output on work? Is Lelo going to come into the office every day tired? Is she going to be complaining? Is she possibly even going to leave? You know, they always look at how is this going to affect me but first point always look at the policies each organization should have a policy regarding conflict of interest and if the lines are still blurry have those conversations with your manager or the relevant hr or ir whoever it may be the person to guide you as as best as they can great great thanks for that pimpy i think that's that's great advice. I think just reflecting on when I started this podcast, I think the first person I spoke to was my manager. Um, and I think his support and his excitement was like, okay, cool. I'm, I don't have to worry about that, obviously, because I work in financial services. Tuli, do you want to add anything? Um, yes, absolutely. I think side hustle on its own, it's, it's quite a sensitive topic and it doesn't really have one straight answer. Um, especially in our country. So I think uh, half of the country or half of the people in our country do have side hustle um, where, you know, um, if I'm going to reflect back, a lot of people recently got retrenched and lost jobs due to COVID. You know, other people are finding themselves in a situation whereby they've got to provide for their entire families with one salary. Sometimes, you know, it may, in some cases, it is not sufficient to cover all of those needs in their households. So um, to answer your questions on legalities, it differs with each company having their own applicable policies around this. And really my advice to someone who is a side hustle, it's important uh, to disclose that side hustle to your manager and um, it must not interfere with your nine nine to five, like Pempi has mentioned. And I think it's common law that it's unwritten that all employees must not use employers' resources for their own benefits. And this can include the phone, the laptop, the cars, um, and everything else that belongs to the employer. Thanks. That's true. I also love the point about the sensitivity 
and how people in South Africa feel about side hustles because of the way that the economy is. But that said, I think, you know, it's always so important to do the checks so that firstly, you're not sabotaging your current job, but also you are, you're just making sure that you're doing things out in the open. I think, you know, it's a small world, like we always say, and you just want to make sure that you always operate with integrity. You know, something else that sometimes comes up in in social circles and, and, you know, something that I'm probably curious about is, you know, why is it illegal for employees to discuss their salaries amongst each other? Like, and, and if there is an event where somebody finds out that there's another person who's doing the exact same job as them and they're not earning the same amount, how does somebody deal with that? This is a very interesting question. So in general, I don't think it's, it's illegal. You know, even though most of our contracts do have a, a non-disclosure clause, um, of which I think most people tend to miss it. However, I do think there are right channels to talk about it. So it's something that we as HR and organization tell employees that, you know, you're not supposed to disclose to each other. Um, however, if you have a strong need to talk about it, there are right channels. And, you know, just generally, I think... Um, they do it to prevent unhealthy competitions amongst ourselves. Um, so, you know, salary discussions are also sensitive. You know, it's like for me, it's like um, those untopped gray areas that you will experience throughout your career. It's sensitive and it's a very confidential issue. However, a person who, like I've explained, um, who has a strong need to talk about um, their salaries um, one channel is to go through HR, you know, where they can explain to you why they are paying you a certain amount for that role. Um, and another, another thing to consider is that salaries are calculated differently, you know, and we as individuals also, we have diverse skills. Does not mean that we are equal. Um, so as much as you are in the same role, um, you the experience that um, you have may differ from the other person. So when we're calculating the salary, we look at skills, we look at years of experience, the projects that you've been part of, as well as um, qualifications. And of course, for obvious reasons, if you have worked longer in an organization, chances are you can either get paid more than other people who are in the same role, or um, and that is if your company follows a market leader pay structure or things can go south where people who are coming in into the organization are paid more externally. So therefore, when they come into the organization, it looks like the company is paying them more. So again, it really differs on the type of role that you are at. Um, but I do think there are right channels where you can talk about it. That's great. Um, I've never actually heard it explained that way in terms of you know, they, there are ways to talk about these things. It's just how you do it. Um, I also love what you said about sometimes when people come in, they can come in at a certain, you know, amount already. So it's not because the company is actually paying them more. It's just that they came in at that level. Just want to add, it's actually um, all that Julia said is spot on. Um, I think what's even important for people to understand from a labor perspective um, understand the basic conditions of employment. It's in our contracts that we cannot discuss that or most contracts don't have, most people's contracts have that stipulated, but it's actually according to the basic conditions of employment, an employee has the right to discuss it. It's just the right channels, using the appropriate channels because behind that clause is to really ensure that the environment is still conducive we, we, you would find instances where an employee were to come in on a specific salary scale than an, an, an existing employee. If that was discussed, there will be unhealthy competition. We don't always know how the and other individual will react. So I think that that closes there to, to maintain a healthy, conducive environment for employees to work. But if the discussion does take place, which you have every right to do, according also to the basic conditions that you can do, but do it in the right channels. Have the conversation with HR. If need be, have the conversation with your manager to understand the, the rationale why this person possibly is hired. Like Julie said, it's experience. 
you know, you look at people's skill sets, you look at performance at times. These are things that people just need to be aware of and use the right channels. Um, we can't all be lashing out and say, ah, I get this and this. No, there's always a right channel. Always. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Pimpy. I'm laughing at your comment about lashing out. <laughs> there's always a rationale, and I think it's always important to to have the right conversations. But I think something, another trend that people often see in the corporate space or even just generally in the work environment is job hopping where people will like stay at an employer for like one year and then move to the next one. So like very frequent job hopping. Um, and some of it is, is money driven. So sometimes the person wants the next, like, you know, just wants to bump up in terms of their finances. But I just want to understand from, from a career perspective, how does, how does job hopping make you look in terms of your CV? I'm laughing internally <laughs> um, because I think it's something common amongst um, the younger generation. Um, stand to be corrected, but with what I observed is it's it's something common within the younger generation. And unfortunately, they, they employers do are reluctant at times um, to appoint somebody or consider somebody for a position because they always look at how long is this person going to stay here before they move on um, to the next job, next salary scale, or whatever the motive is. But it's always important to, should the individual be, for example, invited to an interview, find out the reason behind it. Everybody has a reason behind why they are job hopping. It could be the contract may be ended, could be a project, could be retrenchment understand the reasoning behind the hopping and with everybody i always tell people or senior people managers or whatever that whoever we want to um, appoint for a position we ourselves are taking a risk but is it a risk worth taking you know we always have to deliberate sorry is this risk worth taking because we never guaranteed if this person's going to stay for long it's great if they stay for long. That is great. But we can never guarantee that. But it's always important to find out what is the reasoning for the job hopping. Is it money? Is it personal circumstances that have come about? Is it maybe this person felt at that moment in time that I've learned all that I could. I've reached a specific goal or a plateau or whatever, the ceiling, as they say. And now it was time for me to move on. Always open that discussion to understand what is the reason for you moving. Um, it's also nice when the person has placed it in the, in the CV reason for leaving. We always put people always put that reason for leaving is contract possibly ended retrenchment, or I've learned all I could growth or whatever the case, but always open the dialogue up for the reasoning behind it. Cause it's, it's very sad to assume that this person will not remain loyal because of that job hopping it is seen in a negative light i'm not going to lie it is seen as a negative light but i always encourage managers ask the questions what is the reason behind it and if you do want to take a chance just know that it's a risk whoever we employ is a risk for leaving that's the reality i think um another blind spot that recruiters and hiring managers tend to um, to do is that they confuse candidates moving from one job uh, to another job, job hopping. Um, yes, it is seen as a negative thing. Um, and so I think it's important for us to explain in simple terms what job hopping is. Um, in, in my view, um, job hopping refers to people who are moving from one job to another within a very short space of time. And, and this can range from six to 12 months, right? And like Pimpi has explained that given context, explaining the reasons why you're moving from one job to another. And sometimes, you know, you're moving um, from that job because of situations that are beyond your control. And so uh, for that, I don't think it should be, um, it should be something that we hold um, against you. For example, if you are leaving your current job because of unbearable situations like your mental health, um, I don't think that's something that should be held against you. So 
um, no, job hopping, I think people are confusing job hopping and moving from one job to another is definitely not a negative thing, especially if you are able to explain why you have left that job and if it's something that's um, um, beyond your control. I think I love what you're saying because it also raises the importance of, of, of having a conversation. I think sometimes when people enter interviews, it's just always important to remember that the other person from you is the other person sitting across you is actually a human being. People have issues. People have, like you said, mental health issues. And it's almost like, don't forget that you're dealing with human beings here. It's not like some robots that are just Mm. migrating from one place to another, you know? So it's important to treat an interview like a conversation, like be curious um, and and don't go with just the stigmas around, oh, if you've been job, if it looks like you've been job hopping, then maybe you're too much of a risk and I can't take that on. Um, I love that. Yeah, I love that so much. Just to add, um, the challenge with that is that the reason why I said, especially recruiters, they miss it, is that, you know, sometimes you don't even have, an, you know, you're not even given an opportunity to explain why. People just look at your CV and be like, mm, that gap is too bad and not give you a chance to to explain yourself. Yes, yes. But now that we're speaking about gaps, how do you guys view career gaps? If I decide that I want to take a year off and I want to go do something somewhere else, how and, and maybe like a year later decide, okay, cool, I think I'm ready to enter the workforce again. Firstly, are you guys seeing that happen more often? How is that perceived? Okay, so... So in my view, I think career break is is not a bad thing, um, especially if you feel like you need it. You know, the world is slowly moving, you know, from this so technical world, um, focusing on profit, profit, and not necessarily the health or rather the well-being of their employees. Until, you know, it's it's a bad thing for recruiters or rather for you until you have to compete with a stronger candidate. For example, you know, all recruiters have a a criteria that they follow. So they're looking for a certain profile. Um, Considering the fact that the job market is also very competitive. So in such spaces, um, they tend to focus or rather they tend to select the candidate who's been in the job market for longer compared to you as um, as a person who 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 has taken that career break. So it, it also depends as well, given context, if you are able to explain why you've taken that career break and you've got the experience that we're looking for, um, I definitely do think you, you can be considered for that role. Hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> I didn't see that one coming in terms of comparing a candidate that, you know, didn't take a career break and you come there. It's almost like they're actually going to compare and they're going to choose the one that hasn't taken a break, um, you know, holding all things equal. But wow, I, I didn't see that coming as an answer. <laughs> I think, you know, just to go back a bit to something that Pimpy said about including in your CV the reason for leaving, like, you know, if you've been job hopping or you've been changing jobs, it's, it's just great to include a reason. What are some mistakes that you guys see people make in terms of their CVs that people just need to look out for? Like if a person's on the job market, what are some key tips that they need to look out for to make sure that they stand out? I think from what I have seen and experienced, um, Make sure you put relevant information. What I mean by this is that you get CVs where people put and list all the modules that they did in varsity or metric and how much they got. To me as a recruiter, it's irrelevant. Did you pass or did you not pass? That's all I want to know. Chronological order is something that we take for granted as well. I would rather see where you are currently and work your way from your past. Unlike starting from your past and where you are currently, if that makes sense. Because I'm seeing, I want to see from the last maybe five, three, five years, where have you been? Not something from, I have to now start in 2020, I mean, 2010, for example, 
And now I have to go through all the things only for me to get to 2022 to see, actually, no, this person doesn't qualify or doesn't have the experience or what I'm looking for. Start with where you are right now. And whatever you're going to have on your CV, let it be relevant to the position, of course. We use keywords. We look for keywords that are in your CV and try to match it to, okay, we see you've done this, you've done this, you've got this skill, you've got this qualification and so forth. I once came across, uh, I, can, I would never forget that CV. We were looking for a graphic designer and it was a one pager CV. And on that was just basic information who I am or who this person was name, surname, um, male, female, and so forth. ID number is also not relevant, as Tuli can correct me here. ID number for me personally is not relevant. Um, and then they had the link where I clicked on the link and it took me to their page for graphic designing. It took me to what they currently are doing. So basically their portfolio that I could see. And for that, it made sense because if you are a graphic designer, I want to see colors. I want to see graphics. I want to see the, 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 the design element just by looking at your CV. But if you're going to be a graphic designer and I just see black and white, I question, are you really a graphic designer? Because the perception is a graphic designer is very creative. And I want to see that in your CV. The CV literally presents who you are before I even give you an opportunity to interview you. So if you're going to be a graphic designer, show me you are a graphic designer. And that made me absolutely excited to invite this person and say, you know what, this is a unique CV. I really want to see. I would really would love to meet you. So customize your CV to make it relevant to the role. We all unfortunately cannot be graphic designers and have a link to our CV, but you know, just be mindful of what are you applying for. You know, I'm not saying now if you're going to be a fund, uh, an accountant, I'm going to want to see a spreadsheet CV, but just I hope I'm making sense in terms of what you put on the CV should be so relevant or so and short. That's another thing people make a mistake on. I do not, or most recruiters, not let me say, most recruiters and I personally prefer short CVs, quick, to the point, but still enough detail for me to make a decision. That's my two cents. <laughs> That's sharp. <laughs> you dropped some gems. I'm yes, actually taking yes. notes. I'm like, customize, customize. <laughs> Go ahead, Julie. Um, but just to add, think structure, the structure of your CV is very important. So your CV must be easy to read. I must not be bored or struggle to find some information. So that chronological order is important. And don't try and complicate your CV by, uh, you know, selecting fancy templates, you know, put working contact details and put the relevant work experience to that role. And I think most importantly, do not be afraid you know, to put the relevant information and try to use the latest titles or rather the titles that the market is using. All right. All right. Can I add, can I emphasize on that? Julie has such a valid point there. The title changes these days are crazy. They are. So one minute you are a human capital business partner, the next minute you can be human resource. You know what I mean? The, the, the name change is so important these days that you need to be very mindful of that and, and customize your, your CV according to that. Because if I'm looking for a human resource, I'm going to look for a human resource in your CV. You know, unlike, I don't know what else, like, I'm, I don't know, have an example, but it, the title, truly, that was a good one. The title a is very good one. Title these days is very important. Um, I think for me, what my learning right now currently is the IT world. The IT world's naming conventions and the, the, the skills and the programming that's coming up. Always, always be mindful of what my current, what your current title is and what is out there in the market. 
Nice. I love that because like you're saying, things change so much. Yeah. Like, you know, in my, in my mind, I always thought that if, if you are hired as, you know, an HR consultant and now they're calling it human capital, you know, am I being honest to who I, to the role I was doing previously? You know, like if, if I'm putting it on my CV, should I put it as what it was called or what it's now called? So that's, that's, that's quite an interesting one. Thank you so much, ladies. Um, but I have another question. And I think if I don't ask this question, the majority of the people that listen to this podcast are women. I've, I think my stats say I've got 75% of the listeners are women. So I also know that when it comes to talking about money, women can sometimes be shy. And I want to know as, as you know, human capital consultants and, and people that understand that line of work, what are some of the ways people can go about negotiating a salary increase? Yeah, I know this, this one is very tricky. Okay, negotiating your salary increase, um, the first thing to do is do not shy away from that. So ask for that salary increase. And this could be through your line manager or this could be through HR. Um, you know, even if it means that writing it down in a form of portfolio of evidence and do not be shy, take credit of your own work. And, and yeah, I think that, that's the, that's the only part. And yeah, Ooh, that, <laughs> it's, 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 tough, eh? <laughs> it's sensitive uh, yeah. it's because I've, I've been through it and it, the process, I, I thought the process was complicated, but it's not. Mm. You sit down with your land manager, you have a conversation and say, you know what, I've been into this role um, for so long. This is what I have achieved. And you show your portfolio of evidence and your role goes through a benchmark. I'm not sure if benchmark is a term that we use internally in our organization or other organizations do the same. But um, basically, your role will go through the um, remuneration department. They will benchmark your role, look at what the market is paying externally, look at um, uh, how much the organization is paying and match that with your skills, your qualifications, as well as the number of um, number of experience. So I think it's a matter of having that conversation and not shying away from it and and not breaking down, you know, push until, until you have an answer. Um, in most cases, they will give you an explanation as to why you can't get that salary increase, but um, just do not back down on it. Try again. Um, so salary reviews happens on a yearly basis. If your salary was not reviewed on the previous year, try again in, in, in the next year. All right. I like the whole point about keeping a portfolio of evidence. Yeah. Um, because it means that it's not just something you just wake up and say, okay, guys, uh, Mr. Manager or Mrs. Manager, please, can I, can I have an increase? It must be like, okay, but what proof do you have? And to make sure that you're, you're keeping that portfolio of evidence. Pimpy, you seem to be in agreement. Is there something you want to say? Yeah. So I think it's important to not shy away from the conversation. I think the reason why it's difficult to have that conversation because you are already aware of where you are on a negative scale. And I'm putting that in inverted commas because often when women go into negotiations, they already understand where they are on the space scale, right? They already know they are in the negative inverted commas. Um, so being self-aware of where I am and not actually using that as your weapon, should I say, using the fact that I'm not coming here to you because I'm a female or I'm, I'm coming to you because I'm an HR consultant. This is what I do. This is how big my, my work or responsibility has grown over the years. This is where I've achieved. This is where I'm, you know, bringing forth the facts, but also being aware has also, bringing forth the facts to your manager and having those conversations will put you in a better position to negotiate. But when you're coming in a, in a, in a, in a manner of, I'm a female, I'm getting less paid. You're not bringing anything that is not being aware, that we're not aware of. If, if that makes sense. You know, when you come in from a, a negative 
um, woo-me <laughs> aspect instead of a confident, this is, I know my situation. I know I'm on the lower scale, but let's forget that and look what I'm already giving you. Look what I've, my responsibilities are. Look what I have achieved. Look at my performance. Use that as your negotiation to the salary that you feel is what you need or what you're supposed to get. Mm, mm. Yes. And, and I think, I think what you actually are alluding to is as much as the conversation about money is emotional, it's so important to, to keep your head straight when you go into it. Like don't come at it from an emotional perspective. That's what I'm hearing at least Pimpy. I don't know if you agree. Yes, because it's unfortunately society has said it's expected for women to be emotional, you know? So if you're going to come up with that aspect already, it, it's it, in no way it's going to help you have that concrete, crucial conversation. You know, understand where you are coming from, but don't yep. use that mm, mm. as the mm. point of conversation. I agree with you. And I think, I think when you don't use it, then someone else can't use it against you. Because... Exactly. I read a book by Mahta, and this is for the listeners. I read a book. The book is called Mahta, My Journey. It is by Mahta. I don't know how to pronounce her surname, but she is a giant in the financial service industry. She is an amazing woman. So look up the book, Mahta, My Journey. And she speaks about how she worked in a very highly male-dominated financial space that was rather investing and she would say that when it came to salary increase time, you could see how, you know, like how she was expected to be timid, you know, like, and, and the antics and, and how people would just use her like emotions against her. So I think what you're saying is very valid. Um, you know, just to say that approach it from a factual perspective. I think I spoke to another friend of mine who also is, is, is a recruiter and she said that and she said that it's so important to come with research, right? So also go in, go out and look at things like, am I benchmarked correctly to start with, right? And I think she uses something, I forget the name. I think it's careersindeed.com, something like that. I, I forget the name, but she, she was like, it's so important to, to come in with facts and firstly go do your research to say how much are other companies paying for the very same role? Um, and you know, so, so that when you come in, it's not just huff and puff. I got it from somewhere. Um, so that it's more factual. And I think it's easier for people to respect you that way because you're not taking chances. It's not like you're being an opportunist as psychometrists, right? You guys often use tests, um, assessments that help you get to know the candidates and the people better. Right. And you guys both mentioned people should know themselves and know what they want. What advice do you give to somebody who, who finds themselves in a place where they're in a role that they feel like this doesn't necessarily fit who I am? How, how do they navigate that kind of space? And the reason I'm asking this is this, is that I think that how you feel at work, and this is outside of people's behaviors, just how, how you do your job affects your ability to move upwards and your ability to be promoted and your ability to just gain the momentum you need for your career. And if you are not in a place where you love what you do and you are enthusiastic about what you do, I think your performance is directly impacted by that. So how do people go about finding the perfect fit, the perfect job? Because I think often it always sounds like the employer is looking for the perfect fit. As a candidate, how do you identify the perfect fit? When we all started oh, from primary school, let me go as far as that, when we were asked as kids, what do you want to be? We would always say the generic lawyer, doctor, policeman, and so forth. And as we grew, we were exposed to a lot of things and a lot more careers. Um, but it's really important to sit and understand your values. If you know your values and what you stand for and what you want in life, it's easier 
for you to look for a company and a career that suits that is that fits you as an individual. So if you boil it down to sit your values, I think that is where a person can understand themselves better and make career decisions and sign up for or apply for a position in a specific organization because you know they have specific values that are aligned with yours. Values we underestimate. I actually have a, an example of a, a, a person that I know who was offered a position. Salary was brilliant. Everything was brilliant. But because it didn't align to their values, they declined that offer. And when they said, they gave me the reason, they first told me, oh, we can, I want to get this and this and this. And I'm like, what? This is a lifetime opportunity. And then they told me exactly what this company associates themselves with. This person said, this is not who I am. I do not believe in that. And they declined it. So understanding your values and using that as a propeller to apply for an, a, a position in a specific organization because they have the same values, it will be easier for you to wake up in the morning to say, I'm going to work at an organization that has these values that I am aligned to, to either my career or my belief system at times. It can also boil down to that. But just having understanding of your values for me, I think is a guiding like to see if you are fit or you want to see if this organization is fit for you. What also that emphasizes to me, Pimpy, is that it's so important to know yourself and to do work on yourself. I think some things yeah. like values, you don't know what you truly value until you invest in getting to know you better. Mm. Like, and, and for me, that took buying coaching programs and investing in myself so heavily that I that I could see, okay, but this is what I value in life. This is what I, I want my life to feel like. This is the kind of stuff that I'm interested in. So I think we've had a great conversation. I think I've learned a lot from the both of you today. And I believe that the listeners must have gotten a lot. And for those that are in nine to fives, they can look at their careers and look at what are some of the best ways to develop their careers and to maximize them so that they're using their careers to grow their finances and also to maximize their wealth. So I just want to ask you guys, do you guys have some, any last closing comments, tips, or anything that you'd like to share with the listeners? Tuli, I'll start with you. I'm the kind of person who literally plans for everything. I'm quite structured in my manner of thinking, my manner of approach, and I want things to go accordingly to order. And I think the first thing um, to do is to know exactly what you want and focus on that. You know, the process of determining your goals is critically important. And the way I see it, it's, it's like drafting a roadmap with all of the steps that you need to take in order to get to your destination. And then again and again, from my own observations, people don't know or rather they are not sure of what they want. And, you know, that causes them to be all over the place. This includes signing up for jobs that they don't want anyway or signing up for jobs that, that, that are not aligned to their values. So um, if you're not sure what to do, find the one thing that you'd like to do, do some research on it. Um, know what is required to be in that role. Ask for advice, even if you go professionally, you know, and just go after what you um, go after what you want. And um, yeah, I'm such a believer that if you do one thing repeatedly, ultimately you become a master of that thing. Um, show up, showcase your skills, and do not shy away from doing all of your all of the work. Um, even if that work is sit outside of your job description and give it your all. Great. Thank you so much for that. Pimpy? I think what I can just advise, um, especially the young ones, the, the younger generations, it's really important to understand who you are and what you actually want. As Tuli said, understand what you want and work on it. And yes, sometimes it will require you getting down and dirty picking up, being an intern, picking up boxes and so forth, but have the end goal in mind. Along the way, if you do get the opportunity to be in an organization, do not take it for granted for the people that are around you. 
be a sponge. I cannot emphasize this as a lot. Be a sponge. You learn a lot by just absorbing. And if it means absorbing the information for the, a year, do so. And then the following year, pour out. Learn as much as you can and move. Don't just be a sponge and then sit there. Move. But you need to also be willing to get down and dirty. I think the younger generation have this tendency of they want to come into the organization and already become a CEO. Unfortunately, it does not work like that. You need to work. And that really does mean at times picking up boxes. I till this day pick up boxes every day. If I need the team, if the team needs me, if the team requires us to be mounting things on the wall, do it. Just because I'm an HR consultant or I am the senior manager doesn't mean I cannot get my hands dirty. So for the young ones, humble yourself. <laughs> We're not saying accept, <laughs> not saying accept toxic behaviors or toxic environments. That's not what we're saying, or that's not what I'm saying. Humble yourself to be able to pick up those boxes. And during that time of picking up those boxes, learn from those senior people around you. There's a lot of wisdom that they carry. And then use that wisdom to propel you to the next level. Sure. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you are a nine to fiver, I really hope that this was helpful for you. I know that there often is a rhetoric that says that working a full-time job is not as great as running your own business. And I sometimes understand where people are coming from when they say that, but I think we shouldn't underestimate the ability to use your nine to five to be able to build a sustainable income, but also to be able to build wealth for you and yours. So some of the things that I took away from this conversation were tips on how to structure your CV. So make sure that it's relevant, make sure that it's succinct. You know, something else that I took out was how to navigate having a side business while you actually having a nine to five job. And lastly, how to have salary conversations with your manager or your boss. I think those are all important things, especially for ladies. When it comes to speaking up in the workplace and negotiating that bag and negotiating that salary, it's so important that we don't feel shy to speak about money. And so I hope that all of these things together help you maximize your career and that you use it as a tool for wealth creation. Just a quick reminder that tomorrow is the day where I am having the free financial goal setting masterclass at 7 p.m. South African Standard Time. I hope that you guys have signed up. If you haven't, go ahead and click the link in the show notes. It's all over my social media. Sign up, share it with your friends, family, whoever you know needs it. And don't forget to follow us on social media at wisdomforwealth underscore. I will catch you guys next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>